Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came in and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sunset, they brought him to all who were sick or possessed with demons and the whole city was gathered around the door. Then he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place where, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now that we're into a new year, we have moved into a new gospel. I don't know if you know this, but Every year we rotate between the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Matthew, and the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of John gets placed intermittently among the three of them, but this year is the Gospel of Mark. And so we're going to be having a lot of of Mark throughout this whole year as we have worship. And Mark's Gospel is the shortest of the four. It's only 16 chapters. Uh, The Gospel of Matthew is 28 chapters. Luke is 24. John is 21. And what those three Gospels have more of than Mark are sayings of Jesus, teachings of Jesus, parables of Jesus. Jesus doesn't do a whole lot of that in Mark. What Jesus does in Mark is he preaches. He proclaims the good news that God is near. The reign of God is near. And he heals. And it's interesting that healing and and preaching go hand in hand for Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. It's as though Healing is revealing God's reign in this world. But I think we get confused sometimes when we think about healing. You see, for us, mostly healing is about getting rid of pain. We don't like pain in our lives. We don't like to hurt, whether it's physical pain, whether it's emotional pain, spiritual pain. We want our pain removed. But the reality is we can't remove pain from life. There's no way. Pain is important. It's information. It gives us information. Imagine grabbing a a, a rose bush, not knowing and going over and seeing a pretty rose and just just grabbing the stem or grabbing the bush. You're suddenly going to get a lot of information, right? As the thorns prick your fingers, you're going to let go. You got information that something there is causing pain. I need to not grab that. Well, emotional pain, spiritual pain is the same thing. It's giving us information about ourselves. It's giving us information about our circumstances. It gives us information about life. And the goal is not to remove the pain. The goal is to learn from the information we're receiving. 
So when Jesus heals, he's not trying to fix the human condition. He's not trying to alleviate pain or, or even death in our world. You, death is a part of life. We, we, we can't eliminate dying. But what Jesus is doing is he recognizes that often our circumstances, our illness, our emotional place, our, our, our spiritual place gets in the way of us being everything that God created us to be. And you can't read the Gospel of Mark without dealing with the demonic. We even have it in our text today. Jesus is casting out demons. We had it in, in the text last week where Pastor Jay preached, where we had Jesus casting out an unclean spirit. You see what, what, what the demonic and what the unclean spirits do is they lie to us. They convince us that lie is truth and truth is lie. And, and this is why every time Jesus casts out a demon, he tells it, be silent, don't speak, because he knows they're going to cast lies about him. They're going to deceive people about him. And so he commands them not to speak. Maybe you've been in a relationship at some point with someone that you couldn't trust, someone who tended to con a lot, manipulate a lot. Someone who, who lied in order to, to convince people um, that, that they're different than who they are. I know I come from a family with a lot of substance abuse, addiction, both sides of my family, Carrie's family. We've experienced a lot of that lying. You just, you know something's wrong. You know the person is drinking or, or using drugs or, or engaging in, in pornography, doing things that they, they know are damaging and destructive to life. But when you try to speak to them about it, they lie. They deceive. They even convince you you're the crazy one. They convince you that you're the one who, who doesn't know truth. And suddenly you leave the conversation not knowing up from down, right from wrong. You, you, you leave questioning yourself. I've been in many situations like that. Maybe you have as well. And we can't be human together when we live in relationships that are based in lie. The only way we can move forward in, in healthy growth and development is when we face the truth. When we get the information as it really is, this hurts, I'm in pain. What's causing this pain? Let's look at it. I, I, have, a, I have an addiction. I have this, this problem that I, I can't get rid of. Well, where does that addiction come from? Well, it comes from the fact that I have other pain. I have other wounds. I have other issues that I'm trying to mask. I, I, I'm engaging in this addiction because it, it helps me to cope. It helps me to cover and, and mask the pain that I'm feeling. And we spiral between you know the, the, the pain and the, the, the uh, uh, addictive substance and, and broken relationships, which create more pain, which more need to, to medicate that, and it doesn't end. The first three steps of uh, the 12-step program, number one, is admitting that there's a higher power. I believe that's God, who can restore our lives to sanity, right? I'm sorry, that's, that's incorrect. Number one is admitting that I have a problem, that my life has become unmanageable, that I can't do it by myself. Number two is admitting there's a higher power, God, who can restore my life to sanity. And step three 
is turning myself over to that God, turning myself over to the higher power. But if you look at the AA model, you don't heal by yourself. The demons aren't removed by you alone. In the AA model, you need people around you to accompany you. You need people around you who hold the mirror up to you. You need people around you who don't get manipulated and conned by your lies and can tell you the truth and hold you accountable. And that healing can take place, but it takes a while and it takes a lot of work. And often there's kicking and screaming and pain. It's necessary for healing to take place. Imagine a world where we walked together with each other the way people in recovery programs do. Imagine a world where we, we recognize that every single person has wounds. Every single person has broken places within themselves. Every single one of us don't like pain and want pain removed. But a world where, where we come together and we show each other grace, we show each other love, we, we embrace each other the way we are, but we love each other too much to leave the other person where they are. We hang in there. We don't get discouraged. We don't quit on each other. You see, when Jesus came and proclaimed the good news, the reign of God is near. It's here. God is dwelling, dwelling with us. Jesus came to proclaim that to transform us, to transform the world, to form and shape us into people who, who are very aware and who live in truth. I should be able to be free to speak about my wounds and my broken places without fear that someone is going to pile on, without fear that somebody's going to touch my wounds, without fear that somebody's going to ridicule me or attack me or hurt me while I'm being vulnerable. You see, all of us need to be vulnerable about ourselves, about our struggles, about our difficulties and adversities in life. We can't do life by ourselves. It's impossible. And so when Jesus came and he was healing, he was envisioning a world where everyone's going to do this together. We're all going to work together. We're all going to raise each other up. Isn't it fascinating that when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, what'd she do right away? She got out of bed and she began to serve. She began to serve because that's who we're created to be. We don't heal just to get rid of pain. We heal so that we can be the people that God created us to be, loving, serving, living generously, so that all people can experience real life. But Jesus loves us so much that he didn't just heal us. He doesn't just heal us. He enters into our pain. Jesus himself knows what it is to have physical pain as he experienced in the cross. He knows what it feels like to have people who, who are your friends abandon you, turn on you, reject you. He knows what it feels like to be ridiculed and mocked, spat upon. He knows what it feels like to watch people you love suffer as he looked from the cross into the teary face of his mother and his beloved disciple. Jesus understands that, that the pain, the suffering, the dying, doesn't have the last word. On the third day after Jesus died and suffered on that cross, God raised him from the dead to show us that love and life win. Love and life win, guys. 
It wins. doesn't mean pain is gone, but love and life will win. It prevails. The pain doesn't have the last word. The suffering doesn't have the last word. The dying doesn't have the last word. Love and life do. But we can't deal with our wounds. We can't deal with our pain. We can't be fully vulnerable if we don't trust that love and life win. We have to trust that because it's through trusting that love and life win that we have the courage to be vulnerable. We have the courage to look at our own wounds, to allow other people in, to walk with others and and, and allow them to hold mirrors up to us. We have to trust that the Spirit is guiding us and that God is with us. God is counting on us creating a world of love and life for all people, which means God is expecting us to deal with our own wounds and brokenness and then to walk with other people, to work in healing their wounds and brokenness. But don't get confused. This isn't about fixing people. None of us are ever going to arrive. We're we're not the finished product. We'll never be the finished product. All of us will always be in process. And if we remember that, if we remember that every single human being is in process, then that gives us the, the, the strength to show grace toward people, compassion toward people, understanding toward people. We got to quit judging. We got to quit putting other people down because of their woundedness. Let's love them. Let's serve them. Let's walk alongside them. It's a lot of work to do in our world today, but I believe we as the church, we're God's delivery system for bringing healing and new life into this world. May we all experience God's healing so that we can be equipped and sent out to be the hard hands and feet of Jesus, bringing healing to all so that all people may experience real life in Jesus' name. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.